That might seem an unusual reading to begin a carol service with. The writer suggesting that life, that your life and my life, is little more than a breath. We breathe, we die, breath of breaths, everything is a breath. Imagine a walk on a cold winter's day, or scraping the frost off your car in the morning, and you breathe and you see your breath, but you can't catch it, or hold it, or keep it. Is that what life is like? We live, we die, remembered for a time, but then forgotten an endless cycle of living and dying. What do we gain by all the toil at which we toil under the sun? Merry Christmas, everyone. (laughs) Let me offer to us two perspectives on Christmas. First, that we see it as a time of joy and of celebration with family and friends. A good time, a happy time, a break from the reality of life. Now, if you've not been yet, you need to go to the Tunnel of Light in George Street or the Christmas Market and Winter Wonderland on Princess Street. Experience the wonderful smell of food cooking in the open air of chestnuts roasting. Buy gifts for people you love. Look around you to the left or to the right, and everywhere you will see people smiling and laughing. And you can even watch these brave, unhinged people spinning round in a chair, (laughs) 200 feet above the ground on the end of a chain for 10 pounds. Now, there's one perspective on Christmas, one of joy and celebration, a break in the middle of winter from real life. And that is a good thing. But come January, we're back to reality. Here's a second perspective on Christmas. In St. Andrew's Square, next to the ice rink, there's a life-size nativity scene. You stop for a look. Maybe just a glancing look at that group of people around the manger. What's the most radical thing that could be said about the Christmas story? About the nativity scene, Mary, Joseph, the baby Jesus in a manger. The most radical thing that could be said is that it's true that the baby boy born in Bethlehem really was the Son of God, God with us, a Savior for humanity. And that is a very different perspective on Christmas. Not only a break in the middle of winter from the graft and routine of everyday life, but something far more significant, the answer To what as human beings we are searching for, the answer to our greatest needs. The video that played just a few moments ago asked the question, 
What is the one thing, if you had it, would make everything right? Or who is the one person, if you knew them, would make everything right? If only I had this one thing, this one person, seven billion of us on the planet, searching for that one thing that is so hard to find. What is it we're searching for? Happiness? Satisfaction? Security? Life after death? And where can we find these things? The writer of Ecclesiastes, the reading that Bruce read a few moments ago, is not saying that these things cannot be found. What he is saying is that we will never find them if we look in the wrong place. True happiness, true satisfaction, true security, everlasting life, we will never find them in the things of this life. Even the best of these things, the best of people, the best of relationships, money, or knowledge, will never satisfy our deepest needs and longings. Think of a Christmas present beautifully wrapped, the anticipation, the excitement of what it might be so very often better than the reality of what it is. Or a kid with a new toy, two or three days after Christmas, the novelty has worn off. And is that not in some ways a snapshot of all of life? Nothing in this life can give us the one thing that would make everything right. Even the people who are the most precious to us, far more precious than things, cannot be the one thing that makes everything right because death will take them from us or us from them. They may be everything to us for a time, but it cannot last. None of these things is the one thing we seek that makes all things right Because none of them fulfills our greatest need as humanity, which is to be made right with God. As humanity, we are disconnected from God, separated from Him, living in a world of dissatisfaction and death. So what is the best gift God could give you? a way back to Him, a way to fix our broken relationship with Him, and therefore to find at last, at the end of the search, true happiness, true satisfaction, real security in life, and the answer to death itself. What is the best gift someone that loves you could give you? What is the best gift you could give someone that you love? Well, I hope my wife's answer 
would be the eternity ring I gave her after 10 years on Christmas Eve one year. For me, it's a close call between a bike and rugby tickets, (laughs) the boy equivalents of eternity rings. But what is the best gift that God could give us? If our greatest problem as humanity is that we are disconnected from God and separated from Him, living in a world where dissatisfaction and endless searching and death reign, what is the best gift God could give us? A way back to Him. A way to fix our broken relationship with him. And therefore to find at last true happiness and satisfaction and security and purpose and life. That is the best gift that God could give us. And that is exactly what God has given us in sending His Son, the Lord Jesus, into this world to fix our broken relationship with Him. The best gift God could give us, He has given us. But how on earth could the birth of a baby boy in a squalid stable really, honestly, be the answer to our greatest need? Well, he was given two names at his birth. One of these names was Savior. You shall give him the name Jesus, which means God saves. He will save us from our sins. The other name he was given is Emmanuel, which means God with us in the flesh, in the person of the Son of God. Parents sometimes struggle to let their children grow up, wanting to keep them as little children. We just might want to hold on to Jesus as a baby. But like every baby, Jesus grew up and became a man, a man who did astonishing things and taught with an astonishing authority all pointing to his identity as God. Matthew, in his gospel, devotes just one chapter to the birth of Jesus. He devotes many more to the death of Jesus. Jesus came into the world to reconcile humanity to God. He did it by laying down his own life, on a cross, bearing our sin and bearing God's wrath for our sin in our place, instead of us, out of love for us, so that we could be forgiven, we could be free, we could be reconciled to God, and we could have true satisfaction, true purpose, and everlasting life. So why a squalid stable, a squalid stable, 
pointed to the humility of his squalid death, bearing our sin. But death did not hold him as God raised him from death to life and gives us through faith the promise of life. It is striking how many of the great Christmas carols fuse together the birth of Jesus with the death of Jesus. Let me read from perhaps the greatest carol ever written that we'll sing later in the service. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. In other words, that broken relationship fixed. How? Mild, Jesus lays his glory by, born that men and women no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. The best gift that God could give us, He has given us in the person of Jesus Christ. And so there is a way back to God, a way to find that true happiness and satisfaction and purpose and meaning in life and the answer to that longest and darkest of shadows, the shadow of death. But the one problem that nags people again and again is this question. How can I be sure? How can I know that it actually happened? I said earlier that the most radical thing that could be said about the Christmas story is that it were true. If it is true, it is radical because the search is over. The search for the toughest answers is done. The search for satisfaction out of a dissatisfied soul finds its resting place. If it were only true. One of the readings tonight was from Matthew's Gospel that Helen read, a description of the birth of Jesus and the visit of wise men to worship him. Matthew, the writer, lived and worked with Jesus. He wrote his gospel as an eyewitness testimony of Jesus' life and teaching. Matthew's gospel reads not like a myth, but factual history. The four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, had a wide circulation in the first century. There were many people around at the time they were written that would and could discredit them. But nobody did. They were never discredited. And if you have never read one of these gospel accounts of Jesus' life, I'd encourage you to do so.
So how could the birth of a baby in a squalid manger be the answer to our greatest need? Because the baby that was born was the Son of God, and that baby became a man who laid down his life on a cross in order that we might be forgiven. And what we have been searching for, we can find at last in Jesus. True happiness, true satisfaction, real security, security that stands up to the toughest things in life and death itself, and the promise of resurrection to everlasting life. On Christmas morning, you might not thank your beloved when she gives you yet another pair of slippers or another go at a DIY toolkit starter kit, which is the kind of gift that comes with a bit of a hint. (laughs) You might not thank her at the time, but on a cold February night, you'll be glad of these slippers. And when the jobs need doing, you've got the tools to do them. It's not a cliche. I think it is true that the best gifts are the gifts you need that come with love. But what is way more important than anything is people. People who love us and people we love. The fact that you're here tonight means you're not watching the BBC Sports Personality of the Year live, or at least the first bit of it. You still have time to vote for Andy Murray. (laughs) He might get over the line if 300 people at this carol service vote for him. What is it that we celebrate in the sports personality of the year? Is it their achievements or is it them? When Andy Murray plays at Wimbledon, the camera moves between him, his wife, and his mum. People. We want to know them. As we watched our review of the year a few moments ago, what gets your heart are people. Not the events, but the impact of these events on people. And of course, the most poignant moments, these pictures and names of people in our church family here or your family, babies born, people engaged, married, deaths. And perhaps Christmas is very hard for you because you miss someone you loved. Or Christmas is hard because you would love to be loved. Or you would love to have a child to love. In Jesus Christ, God gives us what we need. He fixed that broken relationship with God. But in Jesus Christ, 
God gives us not only what we need, but a person, and he gives it out of love. And that is conveyed very powerfully in the words from John's gospel that Emily read. For God so loved the world, that means humanity, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God's love for us meant that he gave us what we need, but he gave us what we need in the person of his son who died that we might not perish, but have everlasting life. As a child, I remember loving receiving gifts. As a child, I never remember not being excited about Christmas. There is a mindset, though, and a psychology that affects us when we get older. Many of us find it easier to give than to receive. To give takes generosity. To receive takes a willingness on our part to accept that someone wants to love us, to bless us. To receive takes a humility on our part that we need what is given to us. When it comes to Jesus, God's Son, that God would love us enough to give him to us. With all that that means in terms of forgiveness and life and a restored relationship to God, there is that strange thing in the human heart that will not receive the gift we need most of all, and will not receive the person we need most of all. What is the one thing, if you had it, that would make everything right? Or who is the one person, if you knew them, would make everything right? If only I had this one person, this one thing, Seven billion of us all searching for the same thing that is so hard to find. What is it we're searching for? Happiness? Satisfaction? Security? And life after death? Where can we find these things? In Jesus. Jesus.